Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to Luke. Glory to you, Some Pharisees came and said to Jesus, Get away from here, for Herod wants to kill you. He said to them, Go and tell that fox for me. Listen, I am casting out demons and performing cures today and tomorrow. And on the third day, I finish my work. Yet today, tomorrow, and the next day, I must be on my way, because it is impossible for a prophet to be killed outside of Jerusalem. Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the city that kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to it. How often have I desired to gather your children together as a hen gathers her brood under her wings, and you were not willing. See, your house is left to you, and I tell you, you will not see me until the time comes when you say, Blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise be to you, Lord Christ. Blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. May we see and hear you, Christ. Amen. I recently got around to reading Ernest Hemingway's Old Man and the Sea. It has been on my list of books to read since the spring of 2000, when I was in a seaside cafe in Havana with my Cuban friend, and she pointed to a spot on the wall of the cafe where Ernest Hemingway had written his name. It's classy graffiti. With the Cuban-themed World Day of Prayer coming up here at Trinity next month, I was finally inspired to check the book off my list. What a fantastic book. In it, Santiago, an aging but still strong fisherman, goes out alone one day after 84 unlucky days of not catching anything. And around noon on that day, while further out to sea than any other fishing boats, he hooks a large fish. It tows him out into the open ocean for two days and two nights. All the while, he maintains measured pressure on the other end of the line, the rope which is over his shoulder. He maintains that pressure around the clock. And with the skill of a circus acrobat, he catches and eats raw fish for sustenance. And then he lures the big fish in and kills it and lashes it to the side of his small boat and battles sharks throughout the long journey home. Once his lance and his knife are both lost at sea, the big fish that he has worked so hard to catch and bring in is devoured by sharks. And the old man reaches land and returns to his hut to sleep. In the morning, the villagers find his small boat with an 18-foot-long skeleton of the biggest marlin they have ever seen tied to it, an almost unbelievable sign of the old man's strength, both physical strength and deep inner strength, endurance. When Abram and Sarah found themselves old and childless in a time when offspring represented the value of one's life, they had every reason to give up. 
When God promised them that they would have as many descendants as there were stars in the sky, they had every reason to turn their back on that crazy God. But instead, Abram engaged God in conversation and did what God asked him to do. He endured a day and a night of bringing sacrifices before God and battling with birds of prey that would take those sacrifices. He endured a terrifying night of darkness and awoke in the morning as part of a new covenant with God. Endurance. Last month, 35-year-old single mom Becca Peasy of Belmont ran seven marathons in seven consecutive days on seven different continents. When I heard her speak on NPR at the end of her marathon of marathons, I wondered, what is it that sustains someone through that kind of feat? Endurance. About 20 years after Jesus' death and resurrection and his promise to return, which was interpreted as, I will be back really, really soon, Paul brought Christianity to Europe, starting in Philippi. And about a decade after the start of the church in Philippi, when Jesus still had not returned as expected, Paul wrote the letter to the Philippians that we heard part of this morning. He wrote it from his prison cell. He knew that the Philippians were surrounded by temptations to give up waiting for Christ, to give up living into Jesus' teachings, because really, where was this God who had promised to return? It is clear from the way that Paul speaks to the Philippians that he has deep affection for them and that he wants them to endure even in his absence, even in Christ's absence. They, in their fear of persecution and their waning patience, and he from his prison cell, remain faithful. They keep on keeping on. Endurance. Last week on the TED Radio Hour, the theme of the show was to endure. And the part of the show that I heard was about two men named Ben and Tarka, who trekked 1,800 miles round trip from the coast of Antarctica to the South Pole and back, each hauling 400 pounds of supplies. The two men moved through the freezing whiteout conditions at half a mile per hour. After 63 days, they reached the South Pole, took a picture, and without entering the base camp for a hot drink or a shower, they turned around and went home. They ran low on food and became hyperglycemic and hypothermic. But unlike others who had tried that journey for the past hundred plus years, they made it back alive. Endurance. In the gospel that we heard today, Jesus has been teaching his radical love and challenging the oppressive powers of authority for long enough to have made quite a few enemies. Enemies with power. He knew his time was growing short. 
He could have tapered back his message or charmed the authority figures. I do not doubt that that was within his abilities. But he compromised nothing of his message or his ministry. Even when he was warned that he should run away before Herod caught up with him and had him put to death, he stuck to his plan. And as we hear today, he held back not a bit, not even in his cheeky response. You tell that fox that I have work to do, he told his well-meaning informants. And he laid out his plan to continue that work and keep on moving toward Jerusalem despite threats to his life, maybe even because of those threats to his life. Endurance, ultimate, holy, sacrificial endurance. This is the kind of sacred endurance that Lent calls us into. And if that sounds extreme, that's because it is. Walking in the love of Christ is an extreme choice. Accompanying Jesus through Lent and to the cross is an extreme choice. It requires endurance. Endurance that manifests differently in each of our lives. Perhaps the endurances that have moved me most have not been marathons or record-breaking endurances, but the endurances of everyday people. The endurance of the one who spends many years bedridden before dying. And the endurance of the spouse that stays close the whole time. The endurance of the one who bears the pain of losing a loved one to death and continues to live their own life, embodying the love of the one they grieve. The endurance of the one who wakes at dawn to spend time with God before the rest of the family wakes up and requires attention. The endurance of the one who listens carefully to God for direction, blocking out all the easier choices offered by the world. The endurance of those who live each day to serve in the place where their gifts meet the world's needs. The endurance of all who wait through the quiet Lenten darknesses of life without losing hope, without losing sight of that promised resurrection. We cannot endure any of these things alone. Jesus knew this when he yearned to gather us together as a mother hen gathers her chicks under her wing. He knew that Herod wasn't the only fox out there scattering us and threatening the lives of God's beloved people. Herod was merely the fox of the moment. There are still so many foxes that threaten our physical and spiritual and emotional and communal well-being. And we can only endure if we allow God to gather us together under protective divine wings we are scattered in far too many ways scattered into seven billion separate entities by politics and isms by judgment and misunderstanding by pride and greed and apathy perhaps our lenten journey has to do with enduring god's attempts to pull us together into one one love 
one bread, one cup at one table. Thomas Cranmore, the Reformation era author, era author of, of our first book of common prayer, wrote this. For like as bread is made of a great number of grains, ground, baked, and so joined together, that thereof is made one loaf, and an infinite number of grapes be pressed together in one vessel, and thereof is made wine. Likewise is the whole multitude of true Christian people spiritually joined, first to Christ, and then among themselves, together in one faith, one baptism, one Holy Spirit, one knot and bond of love. And I would only add that I believe to be our, it to be our modern call to gather together as one, not just as a body of Christians, but all people of all walks of life and faith. May we be joined together in that one knot of love, that together we may endure the coming weeks, the coming trial of Christ and all the ways that his trial invokes our earthly trials, the coming suffering of Christ and all the ways that his suffering invokes our earthly suffering, the coming death of Christ and all the ways that his death invokes the deaths of our earthly lives. May we together endure so that we may fully behold the coming resurrection of Christ and all the ways that his resurrection makes way for our own resurrections. Amen.